You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. So uh, every time I think I'm going to be getting out, uh, it pulls me right back in. I, uh, I keep on thinking that maybe we'll, uh, we'll uh, uh, start a new learning project um, uh, outside of Heschel. And then my eye just like you know, catches a glance of, a, of an essay, and I'm just uh, enchanted by it um, and really challenged by it. Um, and so um, I, I want to share with you... Um, uh, not only this essay today, uh, but uh, but there's a, a series of a few essays um, that, uh, that that Heschel has in in this book, Man's Quest for God, um, that uh, that that really um, uh, um, that really resonate with me um, and really challenge me, um, uh, really um, uh, uh, I think hold up uh, the mirror to me and my colleagues. Um, and um, and to um, and to uh, other synagogue professionals as, as well, um, and I, I want to. I, I feel like it's it's just too good. I need to share it with you, um, and and to hear what your thoughts are about it. So the title is "Praying by Proxy." It's on uh, the first page, page forty-nine. Okay, and tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Services are conducted with dignity and precision. The rendition of the liturgy is smooth. Everything is present. Decorum, voice, ceremony. But one thing is missing. Life. One knows in advance what will ensue. There will be no surprise, no adventure of the soul. There will be no sudden outburst of devotion. Nothing is going to happen to the soul. Nothing unpredictable must happen to the person who prays. He will attain no insight into the words he reads. He will attain no new perspective for the life he lives. Our motto is monotony. The fire has gone out of our worship. It is cold, stiff, and dead. True, things are happening. Things are happening, of course, but not within prayer, but within the administration of the temples. Do we not establish new edifices all over the country? Yes, the edifices are growing, yet worship is decaying. Right? So basically what he's saying is that um, we've constructed lots of nice, new, beautiful synagogues. That uh, uh, and, it, and at Heschel's time, um, it was really a synagogue building boom. Um, but it's still, in, in some senses, the case today, where there's a, 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 a an edifice complex in the Jewish uh, community, where we build these uh, beautiful uh, uh, buildings. Um, and and Heschel's argument is that they are spiritually hollow. Right, everything is everything is 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 run with with professionalism and precision. Right there's a uh, there's a sterility about it because you want the trains to run on time. Right, you know, kiddush has to happen at a certain time. Right, so the service has to has to happen at a certain speed and a certain pace, and uh, and so therefore there can't be any uh, spontaneous uh, eruption of singing and joy because because it'll 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 uh, it'll delay kiddush. Right, um, or because it will, uh, it, you'll look foolish. You'll feel like you'll look foolish doing it. There's no surprises. 
It's all choreographed. <laughs> so um, my uh, my rabbi uh, in L.A., Sharon Browse, um, uh, who yesterday delivered uh, one of the prayers at uh, the inaugural uh, uh, prayer service in, in in Washington for the for the president, you could, you could see her on C-SPAN uh, doing it. It was really uh, extraordinary to see. But she's she. Um, often uses this line, um, and uh, there was this great uh, Purim a couple of years ago, um, uh, Rabbi David Wolpe um, uh, of Sinai Temple in Los Angeles, um, did, right, so look on YouTube, he, he does this, like, you know, hilarious sort of takedown of, uh, of, of Rabbi Browse and, uh, and her synagogue, Ikar, um, because she has this, you know, sort of, uh, um, uh, scrappy, upstart, independent uh, uh, minion, which is now you know a very uh, uh, a sizable community, um, but has a very uh, countercultural ethos. And Rabbi Wolpe is the uh, rabbi of probably the largest uh, conservative establishment synagogue in in the country. Um, and so uh, Rabbi Browse frequently uses this line: uh, "The temple has become the graveyard where prayer is buried." Right? And in that video, um, uh, uh, Rabbi Wolpe says, you know, it's cute. It's cute when you say that, right? Uh, come to my shul where we have a thousand people praying on Shabbos and tell me it's the place where, where prayer has come to be buried. Uh, but, but anyway, so this is what Heschel says. Has the temple become the graveyard where prayer is buried? <sighs> there are many who labor in the vineyard of oratory. But who knows how to pray? Or how to inspire others to pray. Here I think he's talking about rabbis. Right? The rabbis of his time, the rabbis of, of our time. Right? We, 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 we might know how to give a speech or two, but do we know how to inspire? Do we know how to light a spiritual fire in people? Do we know how to instill passion? How to move people to speak to God? There are many who can execute and display magnificent fireworks but who knows how to kindle a spark in the darkness of the soul? Rabbis are good with flash and pomp and circumstance and, uh, and, and can put on a good show. Right? This is the critique of, of, uh, of, of the modern American synagogue is that there's a, there's a high pulpit with a show of prayer going on that the rest of the people sitting in theater-like seats are privy to come and watch. Of course, we've been We've been accused of that too, because of the way our main sanctuary is set up, and I know sometimes you or um, Rabbi Kiefer comes down and talks into the congregation to try try to combat that that feeling. Right, and 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 if I if I understand correctly, it was one of the motivations for the. Um, the uh, redoing of the chapel, um, the, the, the Dogul Chapel, which under no circumstances should be ever called the Sisterhood Chapel. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, I, it was just a joke, Joy. Um, <laughs> was, is it too soon? Is it too soon? Okay, so, uh, right, in the, in, the re- in the redoing of the uh, chapel, um, to hollow out some section in the middle and put the... Uh, um, 
the shtender there so that there could be davening happening in the midst of the congregation to uh, to to reflect a sense that the prayer leader is is just kind of you know keeping the pace for everybody else that's st- sitting around him, but uh, uh, but not uh, not you know um, praying. This that's this title praying by proxy, right? He's not praying by proxy. He's just kind of helping to usher along the the prayer service, um, right? But there, but uh, the, but the critique, right? Uh, um, there was a traditional. Um, prayer services, traditional Jewish synagogues were set up much more in that fashion, right, with the prayer leader standing in the middle of the congregation, uh, but also also Ashkenazic. Um, At the very least, in Ashkenazic synagogues, um, the leader did not stand on a pulpit, did not, he may have prayed in front, Um, not not totally, Uh, and there there are many Ashkenazic synagogues in which that's not the case. Although it is much, is much more of a hallmark of the Sephardic style, you're right. Um, but in any event, there, there was no such thing as a as, as a high pulpit. Um, in uh, there, there there was a bima, um, but usually that was only used for two things: um, uh, to go and get the Torah out of the ark. You would go, uh, stand on the bima to get the Torah out of the ark, and uh, and uh, duchening, uh, the priestly blessing. Um, uh, otherwise, the person leading prayer was at least on ground level, if not uh, in the midst of the community. Um, the style of a of, uh, of a high pulpit and um, and and recessed seating that was more uh, theater style um, was a, uh, a stylistic choice. Um, I'm not an expert in all the architecture of this. My sense is that uh, that it was uh, begun with uh, the uh, uh, early reformers in Germany to make uh, uh, services um, have more of an aesthetic feel of uh, of uh, uh, German Protestantism, and the tradition kind of continued in uh, in the American religious landscape um, uh, as well. So that synagogues um, so that synagogues wouldn't be weird. They wouldn't be too other. They wouldn't be too foreign, right? That they would look American, right? And the way that they would look American is that they would look like the inside of a Protestant church where they would have a pulpit with a preacher that would stand on top of the pulpit and, and preach from up there. Um, and uh, there is a sense uh, that uh, um, it's it's different today and it's different depending on the, the Christian community you go to, even in heritage. Um, but there, there, uh, but but it is the style of a, of a lot of you know of the high church denominations where um, where prayer is a lot more performative in that in that way. Or you have choirs and you have uh, um, uh, um, prayer leaders, right? Um, uh, and and there is a a, a concert ish aspect to uh, to prayer there. So when uh, um, uh, Americans were built Building their synagogues, uh, in, especially in the um, uh, early and mid 20th centuries, um, they wanted them to uh, reflect the, uh, the 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 cultural style, right? And so that's why we built synagogues the way uh, we we built synagogues. Um, but it ended up having the effect, or maybe not even ended up having the effect. Maybe it was the desired effect. Was that uh, it, um, it? It created a, a sense in which what was happening on the bima is the performance, right? And everybody else is watching the performance, right? That's the um, that's the uh, um, that's the aesthetic, right? When you walk in, you walk into uh, a, a sanctuary not unlike ours. It it is in some ways like walking into a theater, right? Um, uh, that's the that's the setup, and that's one of the. Yeah issues that goes on particularly for the high holidays is whether it's 
because we do have a choir at that time, right. whether it is more like a performance, particularly for those people who are not as frequent attenders as some of us. <laughs> right. Well, that, that may that may be true. That that may be true regardless, right? That that, uh, that there's going to be a performance aspect to people who have no idea what's going on, um, and there are some uh, um, uh, elements of Jewish prayer that are meant to be performative, right? There are aspects of the high holidays that uh, that that are meant to be performative. I don't think all aspects of the high holidays are, um, but there are but there are some things that you know the, the, there's a there's a there's a grandeur and a majesty to them um, that, uh, that 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 isn't necessarily about the like you know hustle and bustle of the of the of the people in the pews, but uh, so I don't think he's necessarily talking about circumstances like that. But it, I think he's what he's what he's saying is that um, uh, this why he that's why it's called praying by proxy, right? We we sort of um, um, relegated prayer to a show that happens on a stage, and everybody else is supposed to sit back and watch it. Of course, people still attend quote unquote services, Ooh. but what does this attendance frequently mean to them? It's a good question to ask, uh, not only of the people who come, you know, uh, once a year on the high holidays, God bless their souls, um, uh, uh, and I mean that literally, um, uh, but also the people who come regularly. What does it mean to the people who come regularly? Why do they come? Outpouring of the soul, worship, prayer, temple attendance has become a service of the community rather than a service of God. People give some of their money to philanthropic causes and some of their time to the temple. Right, so uh, his, his assertion is that most people go to most synagogues not because they want to uh, um, uh, uh, commune with the divine or, or, or light up their soul, but because they want, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, like, uh, um, uh, 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 Shmuley goes to Shul to talk to God, and I go to Shul to talk to Shmuley, right? So most people are going to Shul to talk to Shmuley. That's what Heschel's saying. Um, The modern temple suffers from a severe cold. Congregants preserve a respectful distance between the liturgy and themselves. They say the words, forgive us for we have sinned, but of course they are not meant. They say, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart in lofty detachment in complete anonymity as if giving an impartial opinion about an irrelevant question. An air of tranquility, complacency prevails in our houses of worship. What can come out of such an atmosphere? The services are prim, the voices dry, the temple is clean and tidy, and the soul of prayer lies in agony. You know no one will scream, no one will cry, the words will be stillborn. Think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. He's being deliberately provocative here, but think about that for a second. What would you do? Um, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can... I can't speak for, uh, for uh, the, uh, the spontaneous outpouring of the soul that happens at Beth Hillel. Um, but what would you do if, uh, if someone broke down in tears in prayer here? What about if someone screamed out um, in in spiritual ecstasy here? Would they be elevated and supported, or would people kind of uh, cast a glance at the weirdo? Right, I think that that's what he's talking about, and I think he's saying that that in um, in the in the prayer communities that Heschel grew up in, um, that was the goal. 
Right? The goal was to be able to cry in prayer. The goal was to be able to scream out in prayer. Right? And it was looked on by the other people as, like, oh, have I not gotten to that spiritual height yet? Right? Whereas we tend to do the opposite. Right? Um, look at the crazy. So, one of my very favorite stories about prayer is mm-hmm. the story of Hannah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she goes to temple. Mm-hmm. And she expresses herself very emotionally. Mm-hmm. And in a way, she's responded to meaningfully. Yes. But not... By God, she's responded to meaningfully. Right, right. but... Well, but not within the traditional structure of the prayer that yeah. was happening yeah. at the temple. But she got herself there. She got herself there. Well, she knew that's where she wanted to be. It was almost like an Allah for her. Meaning, where she wanted to be physically or spiritually? Where she felt she would connect spiritually. Yes. You remember... And it was Eli, right? Right. Right, so it's interesting, right? The response to Hannah is, you must be drunk, right? Get out of here, drunk woman, right? Um, So, listen, that's not a new phenomenon, right? Um, uh, And there's probably an element of of, uh, sexism there, too, right? That that she's a woman doing this, and that's not something that women should be doing. Um, I wonder if uh, if Ailey's response would have been the same if it were a man having that kind of prayer in the temple. Um, I, I I don't know. Um, and the other piece of it is that um, uh, that kind of uh, spontaneous verbal prayer um, was not the mode of worship at the time, right? Uh, people oh, sacrificed animals, uh, and and so in some ways, in some ways, we've actually um, <laughs> we've actually reverted back to a, a, a temple model in some ways, where right, where where uh, where professionals perform the service, everybody else is supposed to sort of like bring their offerings and then s- step back, right? Um, and Hannah breaks the mold of that, right? She cries out. Um, you know, so in some ways, what Heschel is talking about is uh, is Jewishly countercultural, and uh, right is not the biblical model of, uh, of of prayer, except for Hannah. He's Hannah, right? And um, yeah, but isn't that oh, I'm sorry, isn't that what Amen is all about? Yeah, yeah, it is. Except for we don't say it like Amen, right? right. We say it like Amen, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. But if you think about um, most of our biblical foreparents. And their models of prayer, none of them really are within that structured form. Very little is within that structured form. Very little of it existed, but even so, very little was in that structured form. You think about, you know, Yitzchak in the fields. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or or Moshe. Or wrestling an angel. I mean... Right or Moshe, right, uh, crying out El Na Rafana La, right, uh, um, or, or 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 pleading with God on Mount Sinai for uh, um, to not destroy the people. Hashem, Hashem, Arachum, Vachanu, Nerachapayim, Rav Chesedim. Right, um, right. So you're right. Right, uh, our our uh, models for prayer are these are these spontaneous outbursts of deeply felt emotional meaning. Right, um, where their where their hearts are broken, right? Their 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 souls are out of their body, um, right? That's Hannah, that's Moshe, that's Isaac, that's Jacob, right? Um, that's uh, that's Abraham, um, and, uh, and and Moses. That's uh, um, and it's not. Uh, it's it's uh, 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 Elijah on Mount uh, on uh, on on Horeb, right? It's it's all those things, right? But uh, and it's not 
not it's not the priestly uh, repose of uh, of you know I will take your cow I will slaughter it in a precise way right there's a pageantry in a circus but so I, I think that what's what's worth noting is that in the traditional model, there are both of those things, right, that exist. Which is why I said that there are some aspects of, say, the high holidays that are meant to be, you know, pageant-oriented, and right? There, there, there's some pieces of, uh, of, of prayer um, that, that needs that kind of pomp, right? Um, I don't know if Heschel's negating that. He's, I think, just saying that, that um, we need to insert a little bit of Hana back into our prayers. Right, uh, we need to insert a little bit of Moses back into our prayers. We need to, right? uh, that's, I think, what he's saying. Right? People expect the rabbi to conduct a service, an efficient, expert service, but efficiency and rapidity—rapidity rapidity is a good, important one because you got to get kiddish on time—are no remedy against devotional sterility. We have deployed the habit, and here's the point of the prayer, the, the essay. Right, we've deployed the habit, developed the habit of praying by proxy. Right? We let other people do the praying for us. Many congregants seem to have adopted the principle of vicarious prayer. The rabbi or cantor does the praying for the congregation. Men and women would not raise their voices unless the rabbi issues the signal. This is one that really um, that, that 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 I really struggle with. Right? Um, the the uh, the notion of you know all the all the calling of pages and uh, and choreography uh, announcements in prayer, um, because on the one hand it's meant to be um, inclusive, right? You want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. You want to make sure everybody knows what's going on. On the other hand, um, and this is also an argument that uh, um, Rabbi Eli Confer makes uh, from uh, Hadar in, in New York. That what it does is it, uh, it it trains people to rely on on the uh, on the directions, right? So, and I've noticed. That, right, so like even the uh, so this is I, I love you guys, um, but I remember there was like one morning in um, in in services where I was like still putting on my tefillin when there normally would be like the announcement of like standing up or sitting down, um, and like virtually everybody, uh, let's say it was to sit down, right? Virtually everybody remained standing up because they didn't get the announcement yet to sit down. And in my head, as I'm putting on my tefillin, like. You guys are here every day. Like, do you really need the announcement? Um, but so that's the that's the uh, that's that's the issue, right? There's no spontaneity. There's no you got to do the right thing, and you got to make sure that the rabbi tells you what the right thing is to do, and otherwise you aren't sure that you're doing the right thing. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, stand up, sit down, right? It's supposed to be a a, a spontaneous uh, um, expression of your of of your reverence, your uh, your emotion at the moment, right? But this but that's the that's the real challenge of that uh, context. Right? On the one hand, you want to be inclusive, but on the other hand, right, you want prayer to be a, a journey of the soul right? that doesn't rely on stage directions. Yeah. What about the page numbers? Because in the book, too, like you guys say out the page numbers. What about if like people don't come every day and they forget what page? Like, Does that mean you guys shouldn't say the page numbers as well? I'm not saying shouldn't. I'm, I'm just saying... No, but that, I mean in the context. Yeah, I, I'm saying that, that that's, the, that's, a, that's the dilemma. Right, um, uh, you know, calling the page numbers is helpful to people who uh, uh, don't know yet what's going on. On the other hand, um, it has the also the potential of it uh, serving as a crutch for people um, that they come to rely upon without ever, you know, pushing themselves to learn the service on their own. Yeah, these are, <clears throat> I think, very appropriate and very severe mm-hmm. criticisms. Yes. And what does Heschel say? about what we should do about it. 
you know, I mean, we've, we've, I get yeah. it, I get all of this, but what, yeah. then what? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, sometimes it's easier to be a critic than it is to propose the, the, the solution. Um, I think that, that, that he would say a couple of things. He would say that we need to change our, um, um, we need to we, we need to actually um, uh, um, uh, train people from an early age um, in the in in, um, in in the like actual forms and structures of, of prayer. I teach people how to pray um, so that uh, that that by the time that they're adults, um, they don't uh, um, uh, they don't feel like strangers in their own uh, prayer service. They don't feel like uh, um, uh, 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 spectators. They don't feel like praying is a spectator sport. I think that that's probably one thing that he would say. Second is, he, I think he would say that um, that we need to um, uh, uh, redesign our synagogues and our services. They should look more like um, like uh, Hasidic shtibbles. They There should be no high bima. The person leading services should be um, uh, in, in in the midst of the pews. Uh, people should we should be less focused on what the dress code is for uh, synagogues than on what uh, what the content of uh, people's what people bring spiritually into the uh, synagogue is. We should allow for um, we, we should you know break down break down the rule the, the rules of decorum. Right, so so you know we have uh, at Harzai, you know, velvet ropes. You know, you can't, you dare not uh, uh, walk to your seat when uh, the the congregation is standing, and there are velvet ropes that keep you from doing so. And I think you would say, get rid of the velvet ropes. Right, let kids run around the shul and uh, and train people. Yeah, and train people not to look at parents askance as people are making noise. Right, let it be noisy, um, let it be boisterous. Right, let there be life in the synagogue. Right, um, so I think that he would suggest some of those things. Um, he would probably make an argument for um, for less um, uh, high church chazanut, uh, for for less uh, um, 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 uh, uh, leading from the front cantorial style uh, davening, um, and he would probably make an argument um, for less um, rabbinic master of ceremonies ing. Right, so um, um, uh, you know, um, less of people like me, um, you know, playing into this. Uh, you know, some, sometimes I do feel like that. Sometimes I feel like what I'm what I'm doing is I'm you know like like emceeing a show or a concert, um, and uh, um, right, I think what he's saying is uh, that uh, that that the rabbi should uh, and the cantor should be a model for um, for 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 this kind of uh, um, a spiritual ecstasy. Um, and uh, and and not um, give off the impression that they're um, officiating a ceremony with with repose and and uh, and, and dignity and, uh, and and rigidity. I think that those are some of the things that he would say. Do you have a follow? He didn't get a chance to. That he didn't get a chance to. No. Well, I mean, he's written a whole bunch. I mean, it could be that uh, that in a future essay he'll make those arguments. I mean, some of them are implicit, but. Um, um, no, I'm sure he made the argument. Uh, no, he's, he, he wrote a lot. I just have to comb through, you know, volumes to see. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I know you were saying that we should learn at an early age, but some of, like, our traditions are different. Like, some of us are not, how do you say, not as strict as others or not? Observant. Not as observant as others. So then how does he define those people? What does he do with, like, those people? Can I can I comment on this? Yeah. Because I think that um, <clears throat> there is tremendous spiritual connection in very simple things. And it doesn't take going to a formal service to have that spiritual connection. So something as simple as blessing candles on Friday night can open a whole world of spiritual connection. And, and I realize that's not participating in a service, but even something like making khalas and tearing the dough and making that bracha, it makes a special connection that opens the window for other things. So if you think in terms of baby steps, then if you're with a young person and you're teaching them how to make challah, that's their first connection. And it's just, it's a slow and steady process. You don't walk into a service and start to feel that way. It's it's a lifelong process, so... That's how Chabad gets people started. They grab them with the... Little things. Little things, the putting on tefillin, saying a blessing over the lulav, lighting over a Hanukkah menorah, and then bringing them in slowly. Yeah. I'd also add just one other thing, right? It's not... um, um, What I heard in the question is, well, you know, um, uh, um, say a a reform uh, tradition would have potentially different liturgy, different uh, um, assumptions about the liturgy, etc. I think he's talking more about the spirit than the, than the body, the spirit than the form. So I think he's, what, what, what he would say in terms of the education is it doesn't really matter what traditions you're teaching so long as they're in, infused with a sense of purpose and meaning and depth. Right, so that uh, you know, children are natural theologians, and a lot of times um, uh, adults do a very good job of teaching kids that uh, that their natural theological instincts are are, are silly fantasies, right? And that uh, um, and that they and that they you know that serious people don't talk about uh, about about God and the soul, right? Um, uh, but and 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 so you know, and a lot of times that, you know parents do mean that, right? Um, uh, but uh, um, so I think what that that's also what he's saying. Is that, uh, um, that that's what he would say? I think is that uh, regardless of you know um, whether you teach the Shema or not, right? Um, we should be able to teach people that it is possible to talk to God, right? That it's possible to um, to hear God, to hear God's voice, right? Um, and when kids say that they that they talk to God, which lots of kids you know will will say or think about, right? Um, to 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 not. Um, uh, even subtly, right, uh, which we do sometimes, even subtly um, uh, uh, show them that that's, that that's not something serious people think about, serious people talk about. Um, all right, so we're, uh, we're basically out of time. I just wanted to just show this last paragraph. Um, ours is a great responsibility. <clears throat> we demand that people come to worship instead of playing golf or making money, or going on a picnic. Right? I hear this all the time, right, of, uh, of you know, um, uh, you know, you know what, why are people taking their kids to soccer practice instead of, uh, instead of coming to synagogue? Why are people, you know, going to play golf on Saturday morning instead of coming? So why are people going to work instead of coming to synagogue? And it's, it's a reasonable question, but the question that I think is a, a, a reasonable response to that, Heschel is going to offer here, right? Why? Don't we mislead them? 
right? What's the purpose, right? Will, will, they, will they get something out of being here that is worth more to them than whatever they're going to get out of those other activities that they'll do? I, I can tell you very clearly what I'll get out of going to the mall. Can I tell you very clearly what you'll get out of coming to synagogue? And will it be will will you will you really get? Will you really believe? Will you really feel the value added to your life in a way that you uh, that that you actually feel the value added going to the mall on a Saturday? Don't we mislead them? People take their precious time off to attend services. Some even arrive with profound expectations. But what do they get? What do they receive? And that's like, that's the the question, the challenge that uh, um, that haunts me and that that drives me is is um, is does it work? Are we providing a, something for people that actually does something for their lives? Does it make their lives better? Does it give them a deeper connection with God and with others? Does it uh, does it move them? Does it ignite their soul? Right. Um, that's the question he's asking. Right? If I'm t- asking somebody to take you know three hours of their Saturday morning or whatever, right? Um, is it worth it? Right, um, and 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 that's that's uh, that's the challenge that Heschel offers, without a, without a, a suggestion necessarily of uh, of the of the answer. But I think that there's value. Some, a lot of times, the questions are more important than the answers. No doubt. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a great day, everybody. No, sir.